Welcome, everybody. Episode number eight of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with NHLTradeTalk.com. This episode is going to be breaking down the news and information surrounding Nazem Kadri signing a UFA deal seven years times $7 million with the Calgary Flames. So we thought it was going to the Islanders. Some people figured he might go back to Colorado. Instead, he goes to the Calgary Flames, which leaves the Islanders sort of out in the cold, which means Calgary now is a contender in the Pacific Division again. It's going to be the Battle of Alberta is back on. Part of the domino that comes with this deal is that Sean Monaghan moves to the Montreal Canadiens in a trade. What does this mean for Montreal? What does this mean for Monaghan? Uh, is Carey Price now out of the equation? Yes, it looks like he is in LTIR. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about the Codger deal. We're going to talk a lot about Calgary. We're going to talk about the Islanders and break down everything. So that's episode eight of the NHL Trade Talk podcast with myself, Jim Parsons, Brooke Laferno of the Hockey Raiders and NHL Trade Talk. So we hope that you enjoy. Don't forget, uh, listen to, download, subscribe, share this with other people. Uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which would be fantastic. Uh, enjoy episode eight. This is all about Nas and Kadri and signing with the Calgary Flames. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. As always, I'm here with Brooke Laferno from the Hockey Raiders. And now, every once in a while, writing some stuff for us on NHL Trade Talk. Brooke, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, timing's good. We were thinking about yeah. doing another show, and then a day before we did it, all of the Nazem Kadri stuff broke down, which once again pushes another Pierre-Luc Dubois podcast uh, from another week from now. This has become a running thing. This is going to be like Jimmy... Yeah. Uh, what's it, Jimmy Kimmel having Matt Damon on his show and always bumping Matt Damon off the show? That's what Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to become to us, right? He's going to yeah. be that, that guy that we always want to talk about, but every week we push him and then we never eventually do one. Uh, hopefully <laughs> we will get to this. But the Kadri news is pretty big. Uh, yes. So we're going to be talking about that today on the on the show. So Nazem Kadri, who most people thought it was down to Colorado and the New York Islanders, a lot of people, including myself, had reported that the Islanders deal was pretty much a done thing. That was what was being told. That was what was out there. That was, but nobody knew for sure because of Lou Lamarillo and how secretly he keeps everything he's doing. And then all of a sudden, it's not happening. He's going to Calgary seven years times seven million. And then to make sure that that trade works for the Flames salary cap, they move Sean Monahan to the Montreal Canadiens, who have the room to add Monahan because Carey Price looks like he's going on LTIR. Kent Hughes. General manager for the Canadians says that Monahan, or excuse me, that Price is not looking good. His knee surgery has not gone the way they want it. They know he won't be ready for the start of the season. And Hughes, in quotes, says, I don't see a path back for Carey Price in the 2022-23 season. So there's $10.5 million coming off the books, at least sort of, uh, for the Canadians, which fits Monahan, and who knows what else to do. So busy day yesterday, lots <laughs> going on. Let's first focus on Nazem Kadri going to the Calgary Flames. I'll ask you, how surprised were you that it was Calgary? I know back a few shows ago, we were talking about them as an option, uh, but it seemed to kind of go away. And then the Islanders and the Avalanche, mostly the Islanders. How shocked are you by this? Um, A little shocked. I wasn't, I think we talked about this before, but he was linked, as you said, to Calgary um, earlier on. But once they signed Huberto to that big extension, I kind of thought that made Kadri completely out of the running there. And then the Islanders were just so prevalent in the news, but it did seem a little suspicious the longer the Islander saga kept kind of dragging on and nothing was happening there. And everyone kept saying, Oh, they're close. Oh wait, maybe they're not that maybe something was kind of off there. So, I mean, I 
I give so many snaps to Calgary for getting that done. I mean, we kind of thought they were they would be stuck for a little bit there, and they got it done. So not surprised, I guess, in the sense that it's Calgary because he was before, but a little shocked from the money stance that he was, but they made it work. Yeah, I was with you. When they gave Hubero that big, huge contract, I thought for sure that was going to rule them out of the Kadri situation. But then as whispers started to come down, the Kadri wasn't going to get what he was looking for. And what he was looking for was apparently around $9 million a season. And no one was going to give him that, whether it was Colorado, because they certainly didn't have the room uh, or the term, the desire to give him the term. The Islanders probably were not going to go there. Uh, they would have had to move a lot of money, whether that was Josh Bailey or Semyon Barlamov or even Matthew Barzell was thrown out there, although I'm not sure how realistic that was even considered. Um, it just sounded like he wasn't going to get the $9 million. So I assumed he was sticking to that. And that's why I was like, Calgary's out. But then when you see that it's $7 million, then you're like, well, that's workable, right? Like that's, I don't know. I still think that's a pretty high price on that long a term for Nazem Kadri. But it's not like an outrageously awful number. It's it's just a number that what he's going to give you, which is probably between 70 and 85 points, 7 million ain't that bad. So the term is what really gets me. So once they got to the 7 million, I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense for Calgary. How how good of a turnaround? Are you in the camp where this is like, holy crap, Calgary did really, really well here, considering you know they lost Johnny Gaudreau, they lost Matthew Kachuk, they lost Erica Branson, uh, They've now sent Sean Monahan out, but they've replaced those players with Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger. I mean, how big a turnaround is this for the Calgary Flames? I love it for them. That's very hard. I think we talked about this before, too. It's hard to replace um, Kachuk and Gaudreau, for sure. But he did, I think, the best he could. And the fact that he got them both locked in. I know they're still waiting on a Mackenzie Weger extension, but looking at the Calgary Flames salary cap, they still have $2 million to work with. I know that's not a lot, but uh, seeing how much money they spent, that's a pretty good amount of money still left on the table. So, yes, I think they did a great job. I don't know if this will be a combination that will end up being better than Kachuk um, and Goudreau, but I actually think they will be very, very good. And who knows? I think they could be the surprise for sure if they gel correctly. I think the sky's the limit there. They just added a Stanley Cup champion, and now they got the elite depth that they lost. So, I mean, like I said, I think it's amazing what Calgary was able to do. I think most NHL teams were like, whoa, I did not think they could do that, but they did it, so yeah. for them. For a, for a team that looked like they were dead in the water with those two. I mean, I don't know. I, it could be. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember ever a, a, a summer where 200-point players left the franchise and then what equates to three close to 180-point players come back. You know, mm-hmm. like that you're swapping out that much point production in one summer and completely reshaping the top of your roster. Mm-hmm. Um I heard somebody say, I think it was Eric Francis from Sportsman, and I kind of agree. I don't know that the Calgary Flames are going to get as many regular season points as they got this past year, but I do think they're a better playoff team if everybody that just joined that roster stays healthy. You know, mm-hmm. whether Kadri doesn't get suspended or he's healthy for the playoffs and he's playing, I think he's a better playoff performer than Goudreau and Kachuk have proven to be. I think Kubero, uh is an excellent talent. He's going to get you tons of points, and I think come playoff time, he's probably going to show up. Mackenzie Weger is by far, like, I think Calgary really hurt when they lost Giordano. I didn't think they had the greatest blue line. And when Tadnev out and injured, Mackenzie Weger really could have been used last season. I think that's mm-hmm. a huge upgrade for Calgary. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a real win for them. So I am, I do like what they've done. I think True Living should get a lot of credit for not just lying down and rolling over and going over screwed. 
you know, he's turned this roster into something that you could argue is better than what they had last mm-hmm. year. The question I have, and I'll ask this of you, do you believe that this is going to kick them in about three or four years? Um, yes, probably. And I hate admitting that because I love the deals. Actually, I really do. I think you have to keep elite players and you have to lock them in. That's just the name of the business. If you don't have elite players, you're not going to win in this league. So I do like the deals, but I mean, of course there is the concern that they're, you know, they're going to slow down and they're not going to be as good as they are. But I will say just from watching the Blackhawks and from watching Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, not saying those players are Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, but they do have the skill set that should age well with the goal scoring and stuff. It's not exactly really about speed and stuff. I think Huberto will actually be fine. I don't think that will really start kicking them. Um, yeah, maybe till I would You're say five ish. Yeah. I was going to say five, six or something like that, but I, yeah, I don't think it's something they have to worry about right now. I think they'll actually be okay. And I kind of think the same of Kadri. Kadri's always kind of been a point per game player consistently. Um, I think that should age well too, but like I said, maybe four years down the road, four or five, that might hurt them, but I think they're actually okay right now. And you have to take that chance. I think if you're Calgary, you have to win now if you lock those players in for sure. Yeah. I think if Calgary's looking at this as a window and they have only so big a window, uh, Mm -hmm. I I follow the Oilers kind of like the Oilers do, right? They've got a window of about three to five years right now where they got to be good. I think Calgary sat down this summer after this happened to them and said, look, we got a choice. We can completely overhaul this thing and rebuild, or we can do what we need to do to be good for another three to five years. And this these deals make them that like they are a very good hockey team and will be for the next three to four years. So um, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I've seen people saying, Oh man, give him the GM of the year award already. I don't know about that. I don't think I would go that far. Uh, Cause this is, has potential just like it does in Florida with Matthew Kachuk. And just like it does in Columbus with Johnny Goudreau, these deals have the potential. I think Huberto is a pretty big slam dunk in terms of what he's going to give you. These could go backwards. Like all of these players could produce less than they produced last season. Chuck, Goudreau, Kadri, all these guys could go down with their numbers. Even Huberto, he scored a ton of points Mm -hmm. last year, but I believe he'll get close. They could all go backwards. So, I mean, I don't know if I would give him GM of the year award at this point, but man, oh man, he has had the most entertaining and potentially a positive summer considering what he was faced with having to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. Really good. And... I thought he was able to move Sean Monahan because for an understanding, this Codger deal was done a couple of days ago that he mm-hmm. knew in Calgary that this was, was going to happen. It was just a matter of, I got to get Monahan moved. So where do you rank that in all of this, the Codger deal, the Huberto trade with Florida being able to move Sean Monahan's contract uh, to the Montreal Canadian. Where does that rank in all of this? It's up there. I don't think it's as significant as locking those players in, but it's definitely up there. I think he's been in the trade mill for years, I think for the last three years especially, but he was just hard to move because he dealt with a lot of injuries. He wasn't as productive. He had a very high cap hit. Obviously with the flat cap over $6 million, that's a little steep. I think a lot of teams were kind of weary on that, but it ended up being good because he only has one year left on his deal. So it's not like they tried to trade him and tried to say, here, you got, well, three years left of this guy in this cap hit. So I actually think it was the perfect, it ended up being perfect timing. I think too, especially for Montreal, um, because they did need center depth. They did keep uh, reiterating that this off season, especially, I mean, they got Kirby doc, but he still is unsigned. I don't know why that is, but um, yeah, so yeah. I mean, I think that's good for them. I don't think he's going to stay there longer than one year, but you know what? I think it works out well for everyone. Obviously, Calgary got the cap space they needed, and then 
Montreal got some center depth, even for just one year. And who knows if he ends up being well there, they could resign him for a cheaper deal. Yeah. And I should probably preface my Sean Monahan comment with the fact that they did have to move a first round pick to get him out of there. Right. Like that's not, it's one thing if you just send him to Arizona, you don't have to give up much to do it, but you're moving them to Montreal and Montreal's doing it because they're getting a first round pick out of this. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like they're not getting a sweetener here. Calgary had mm-hmm. to move a first rounder to do it. Now we were laughing before we came on to record this because we were looking at the conditions of this trade from Sean Monahan going to the Montreal Canadiens. So I'll do my best to give a Coles notes, brief rundown version of this, but there are like three scenarios that Montreal has sort of worked out with Calgary in this. Um, The first one is that, you know, you basically have Calgary's 2024 first round pick fall somewhere between 20 and 32. Montreal can elect to receive the 2024 first instead of the 2025 conditional that is listed in this trade. So um, depending on where Calgary ranks this season, Montreal may say, you know what, we want your 2024. You guys, we won't worry about that. And then that's the end of it. They don't have to do anything else. Scenario number two is a lot different, though, in that Calgary received the 2025 lottery protected first round pick sent to them by the Florida Panthers in the Huberto trade. So there's a lot more moving parts here. And again, scenario three, I don't even want to try to break that one down. It's it's crazy complicated where they don't get Florida's lottery protected pick. Um, and then there's a, like a lot more movement. You know, the first overall Calgary's 2026 first round picks and 2025 third round. Like, it's crazy. There's just so many. I've never seen a trade like this where the conditions are are so specific, right? And I get there was a lot of moving parts with all these players switching teams and stuff, but this is nutty, right? Yeah. I, I do wonder if there's going to be a situation or a scenario where something goes off a little, like weirdly off the rails and then becomes a complicated somebody needs to step in and sort this out kind of thing. Hopefully scenario one is just all that they have to worry about where Calgary finishes in a certain spot. And then Florida or uh, Montreal goes, well, we'll take this one instead of this one. Right. Right. But it is, it is a little crazy. I guess that's what you got to do when you're moving a player like Monaghan to Montreal, Montreal's got the carry price LTR situation. They don't have the money to do it. And like, you need that sweetener. You need that first rounder because Montreal wants as much as they can possibly get for agreeing to take on that salary. How much do you think Sean Monaghan's going to play a factor in Montreal? Like he sounds, he talked to the media. He says he's good mm-hmm. to go. He feels like he's been skating well. He's excited for a fresh start. He wants to play, and they're going to play him. Um, could this turn out to be a pretty big, you know, swap? Like that could Monaghan actually be a factor here and play pretty well in Montreal? I actually think he could. To be honest, I, I've always thought he was a good player. He was just very unlucky, obviously, with his injury history because he was so solid, and then he kind of went. But like I said, that's not really his fault. Unfortunately, injuries just played a role there and affected his playing time. But, you know, sometimes if you're someone like him, you know, sometimes a new environment is really all you need to succeed. And in Montreal, maybe in Calgary, he had a little more pressure because they were starting to get really good and they were a playoff team and this and that. But now Montreal, they're rebuilding. They want to, you know, take the next step. So maybe that's a good environment for Sean Monaghan to kind of get his footing again. And I actually think he could do that in Montreal. They'll look to him, I think, a lot as a mentor. So it might be a good environment for him. And like I said, if he does play well, they could resign him. Who knows? But yeah, I think, like I said, this could actually turn out to be really good for both sides. I think both sides benefit in their own way. Do you believe, I mean, switching back gears here to Nazem Kadri, do you, are you with Elliot Freeman? I saw his report today on NHL Network that he thinks that Kadri shifted gears towards Calgary once Colorado was out of the running, that the Islanders were probably never really in this all that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, no one will ever know for sure because Lamarillo will never talk. But 
uh, <laughs> that he the Cadre wanted to go back to Colorado. Colorado just didn't have the room or the desire to give him seven years, and Calgary mm-hmm. did, and that's where this went. Um, Cadre's doing his press conference with the media as we record this right now, so I'm watching for some comments here, but I'm assuming he's going to say, I like what Calgary's doing. I like how they're building their team. I like all that stuff. Do you, though, think that this happened because Colorado was out of it? No, I don't think so. I think most people, I mean, I trust Elliot Friedman. He has more information, obviously, than we do. So I actually think he could be right. But something tells me no, because I think everyone assumed that Colorado was going to be out of the cadre sweepstakes as much as they would love to keep them. Because, I mean, they're negotiating a contract extension with Nathan McKinnon that could be historic. They got a lot of pieces there. So um, I I never really thought Colorado was going to re-sign him. I just think it might have taken too much. So, no, I don't think that automatically became something after Colorado. I still, like I said, something still tells me that the Islanders were in it. Um, You know, Lou didn't even sign a free agent. I think he did probably put all of his wishes and hopes into Kadri and it never came to fruition. Obviously, they would have needed to move salary around. That might have proved harder than expected for them. So I do think the Islanders were probably in it. I don't think, yeah, that it rested on Colorado. But I do think maybe Calgary became a huge um, option for him, especially maybe after Huberto, then that kind of signaled, okay, they're back. They're going to compete. And Kadri obviously wants to compete. He just won a Stanley Cup. So that would be very enticing, I would think. Yeah, one of the things he does say when he was asked about why it took so long to get this done and what was going on, uh, Carter said it was an elaborate process and that he took this time, patience paid off, and he called Calgary's offseason a great rebound and is excited about the direction of the team. I'm wondering, though, do you think this sort of... Calgary's never going to say, yeah, I I played this wrong. I played my hand wrong. Um, Do you think he did, though? Like... Because seven times seven is not what we figured he was going to sign for. We yes. we assumed that the process here was, okay, I'm going to sit back in my recliner. I'm going to let all these teams come and talk to me, and I'm going to take the best deal with the team that's going to be the best, and it's going to be somewhere in the $9 million range. Well, that certainly didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams were out of it. There was a lot of teams that didn't spend any money. There was a lot of teams that spent their money early and had nothing left, and there was about a third of the, season, a third of the teams in the league are over the salary cap right now. Like there was just limited opportunity for Kadri to hit a home run here. And he did pretty well getting seven by seven in Calgary, but I don't believe for a second, this is what he was shooting for. Um, Do you think that this process of him waiting and really playing and listening and, and not getting out there with a team early uh, backfired on him a little? Yeah, I actually do. Like I said, the end result I think ended up in his favor in the way that he's going to um, a Stanley cup, hopeful, team which is probably what he wanted uh during free agency but yeah I do think he maybe overplayed his hand here and I will say I think it's because the market when free agency started when it opened it seemed like everyone was not going to get what they were hoping for we saw that kind of with John Klingberg and stuff like it just wasn't as you know no not many teams were willing to spend that much money obviously besides Calgary and Florida so yeah, like you said, there's limited options, and I don't think he expected that. He's a Stanley Cup champion, and I think a lot of teams did want him. But like I said, the price with the flat cap, I think, is playing a big role in this. So, um, yeah, I do think he yeah, overestimated his value. And I think he's right. He maybe probably is worth more than that, even if it's wrong, like we said, with the age and stuff. But he probably was worth more because of the Stanley Cup um, now status on him. But, uh, yeah, I think he did overplay it. But I think it worked out well, I guess, in the end, even if he thought he – you know, settled for less. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's like a situation like a Patrick Maroon where when he left, I don't know what team it was, the Oilers or St. Louis or something, St. Louis maybe. And he was thinking he was going to sign a couple years with a team and do really, and he got nothing. He got like mm-hmm. no offer whatsoever and had to sign for like league minimum with Tampa Bay. It's worked out really well for the guy. He's won a bunch of Stanley Cups, but he could have made a lot more money. And yes. Kadri is still making a lot of money. $49 million is a pretty good deal for a guy who hit 85 points last year. And I don't think he's ever done more than that. So it's like, he's, he's pretty good. Um, he was asked in this press conference too, about uh, nixing a trade to Calgary earlier in 2019. Cause there was a lot of speculation that he had been traded there from Toronto and that he shot that trade down. And he did say in particular, that moment in my career, I had played in Toronto for a long time and I didn't see myself leaving. It had nothing to do with Calgary. I think to clarify that is important. So the rumors and speculation that he wasn't interested in the flames. He's outright saying right now, no, that was not the case. I just didn't want to leave Toronto at that time. And now that he's moved on from the Maple Leafs or basically the Maple Leafs moves on from him uh, and traded him for Tyson Berry at that time. uh, He's now over that and he's looking at Calgary and he's saying, you know what, this is a team that I think they could play well on. And I think it is. I think with Daryl Sutter as the coach and the way that Kadri plays, as long as he can, he doesn't cross that line and he stays um, you know, in the on the roster because he isn't suspended. I think Calgary is a good fit for him. Yeah, yeah, I actually do. I think you're completely right. They play a totally different style of hockey under Daryl Sutter. It's kind of mean, um, kind of really defensive minded. I think it works well for Kadri. Actually, if it's not Colorado, I think it's a great fit. Yeah, I just saw a quote here. Somebody asked him about that specifically. He's like, "I'm his kind of player." Yeah, that's what Kadri <laughs> said. Right. So there you go. Like that, he, it does make sense. It's a good fit. I think it's. It's one of those things. He hasn't had his, his run with the cup yet, he says, from Colorado. He's excited about doing that. So um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be very interesting. Do you think Calgary's done? I Like, this is a big turnaround for them. There's been a lot of action yeah. with the Flames. But is Tree Living, do you think, I don't know him well, and I don't know if you know him at all or anything, but does he seem like the kind of person at this point to kind of go, you know what, I'm on a roll here. Let's see what else I can do. Or <laughs> I've done a lot. I'm good. I got, yeah, I got him on speed dial. I know exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and he'll uh, tell you yeah. if you call him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll call him right now. See what he has to say. Um, I last time I said I thought for sure they were done after they signed Huberto. That seemed like they're slam dunk, but then they keep going. So I want to say they're done because it makes the most sense. I mean, you got probably the two biggest players that you could possibly get that were available. Um, to them so I would think yes but like I said they do have two million in cap space to work with I don't know if they're thinking maybe they still want to round out their forward depth maybe Phil Kessel maybe Sonny Milano I don't know but other than that I do think they're probably set I will say that at that yeah I don't think that might come back to bite me probably probably next week will be like hey guess what they added someone so but yeah I have to think they're probably content right now and they probably won't do anything unless something really enticing comes their way yeah, I mean, they'll have to weigh, Tribbling have to weigh the idea of, did I make one move too many? Or mm-hmm. is there one more move I can make that really puts us over the hop here? Now, right. hopefully every deal that is signed from here on in for these teams is a huge value bargain, right? Because mm-hmm. at this point, if people are, there's going to be a couple, whether it's Evan Rodriguez or Sonny Milano, that are still mm-hmm. holding out, hopefully, to get something from a team that's kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give you what you want. Um, but I think most of these players, whether it's Kessel or Subban or whoever, uh, are looking at, making way less than they right. thought they were going to make and are just looking for a contender and somewhere to play where they think they're going to be effective and have a chance to win. So it'll be a very interesting last few weeks before the season starts here, because I, I think Calgary's not done. And as I said more earlier, I follow the Oilers and I think the Oilers have now taken notice of what Calgary's done and they realized 
that the Pacific division is not going to be a runaway slam dunk for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that they were already motivated to get their team to as a high level as they can, but now watching Calgary, I think Mm -hmm. the battle of Alberta is back on, which is awesome. And I think Edmonton's probably looking at this going, okay, well, what else can we do here? Right. So uh, it'll be fun to see what's going on here. Um, I will say though, something that kind of sticks out to me now that we're kind of talking is that maybe it would benefit Calgary to stand put. And I'm not saying that, just like in a, if you're on a roll, I mean, you're on a roll, like do what you can. But I think I know, like I said, from watching the Blackhawks, when they signed Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fuller, everyone was like, oh my gosh, this could be a competitive team. And then it kind of went sideways on paper. Calgary's a very good team. They should perform well, but you never know until the season starts, what's going to happen. Some people might fit in more than others. They might want to wait and be smart and see how this plays out before making ma- like major moves again or bigger moves. So we'll see. But like I said, it doesn't hurt either way that they go in, try to make more depth signings or not, but it might actually might benefit them to stand pat. Yeah, I think if there's a big move that Calgary is going to make, it it would be someone like a Milan Lucic going somewhere else and clearing out the money. But mm-hmm. with Monahan out now, I don't see that. I don't think Calgary's yeah. eager to trade Lucic, and I'm I'm with you. I mean, they are locked into these guys now. There's no trading them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you want to anyway. But I'm with you. Like, it's not a bad idea to see where you're at. Like, what mm-hmm. does your team look like on paper? It's good. How do yes. we perform when we put all these guys on these lines together? can they be nearly as good as that top line was with Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk? Um, Mm -hmm. Do we have a chance of being that good with that top line again? Or what do we need? What else should we add? Uh, And there's going to be lots of opportunity to do that. I mean, who knows what the PTO situation looks like for some of these teams and players they can just invite to camp and see if they want to try to make their, it's going to be intriguing to see and fascinating to watch what players were like, really? How did that person not get a deal? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of that. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, this is fun. I just wanted to get your take on uh, what you thought of the Cadre deal to Calgary. Uh, if you were shocked by it, uh, what you think their team looks like, what else might be coming for them. Um, do you think the Islanders will do anything? Or is Lamarillo just settled in now? He's like, well, that sucked. Oh, like I said, I do think they actually probably put all their eggs in one basket and Kadri, if they got him, was going to be like their slam dunk to make up for not signing anyone. But now I don't see it happening. I think, you know, they got seven players with no movement, like no movement clauses. That's kind of hard to work with at this point. So I don't see this happening. I think they're kind of, they have 11 million in cap space, but like I said, it's a little tough for them right now, I think. So I don't see it happening. It hasn't happened now. I don't see it. Do you think he just uh, signed his own uh, release? I kind of do. Yeah, I kind of do. To not make any moves at all, no free agent signings when you miss the playoffs and you and you fired Barry Trotz. Yeah, I don't like that. It's just so much going with that dude. Like he he's got these weird. He's like, um, yeah, you know, the Yankees, no mustaches, no beards, no nothing. Then he doesn't talk to anybody about what he's planning on doing. He doesn't announce his signings. He tries to keep everything a secret. He tells other GMs if you make this even remotely public, the trade is off. Like he's just got such weird tendencies around him. And then to not do anything. And yeah. to not have, you know, improved his team other than the Romanoff trade. And who knows how that's going to work yeah. out. Uh, it's just, it's odd, right? It just yeah, seems it's so odd. Yeah. It seems strange. Oh, well, we'll find out who's what he's got left. There's some bargains out there and maybe he takes advantage of those. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a poll on Twitter. Will Lou make any moves? Will it be yes or no? Yeah. And then the last one would be, do you think he gets fired? Yeah. <laughs> or fired. It, yeah. Cause that, yeah. that's certainly going to be a possibility if he doesn't do anything here. Oh gosh, for sure. All right, Brooke. Uh, thanks a lot. I'll take a look at some of the comments from the Kadri press conference, see if there's anything that we missed today as we were recording this. But 
Uh, I still, I'm set. I know I want to do the Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. podcast. We're going to need to do it at some point here. Yeah. So I think this was the last big move, right? This was the big ticket item that was still mm-hmm. on the books here for the summer and it's now done. So everything else we choose to talk about at this point is either, I don't want to say small potatoes because that's not fair, but yeah. <laughs> uh, lesser moves, uh, lesser impact deals. Um, and then we can talk about some of the things that did happen and break them down a little bit. So yeah, uh, we'll get to the Dubois stuff in a minute. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Brooke. Uh, for everybody else, it's been another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. Check out NHLTradeTalk.com. Uh, check out Brooke's work at the Hockey Raider and NHLTradeTalk.com. You can check me out at the Hockey Raiders in the news and rooms every day as well. And uh, we'll keep you up to speed with all the articles on both sites. And uh, hopefully you guys are having fun listening to the podcast. Check it out. Download, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get the chance to get a couple guests on here now that things have settled down. Yes. All right. Take care, everybody.